0: You are listening to The Exchange. I am your host, Dr. Lorraine. Welcome everybody. Today we are going to be talking about CMI after the Asbury revival. We talked to Dr. Robin Johnston just a couple weeks ago about his thoughts and today I have my very special guest, Caleb Saucer, who is going to be talking to us more about what that looks like concerning cmi so welcome caleb i'm so glad to have you as my guest today it's such an honor
1: oh thank you my friend i'm excited excited for the conversation
0: well i want you just to go ahead and introduce yourself to all of those who are not familiar with who you are just what your role has been and what you're doing now ministry education all that good stuff so please tell us about yourself
1: yeah absolutely as you mentioned caleb saucer i currently live in st louis missouri Not here or from here originally, originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Um, but my day job, I work in sales and marketing for the Pentecostal Resources Group at the UPCI headquarters. My connection to CMI or Campus Ministry International, um, just for some who may not know what the acronym stands for, would date back to when I was 17 years old. I started a campus ministry at Southeastern Louisiana University. Um, I always wanted to go to Bible college, Dr. Lorraine, I know you did, mm-hmm. and I was always jealous of the people who got to go to Bible college, um, but I know my life would have looked a whole lot different had the Lord not taken me on the path that he did. So started that campus ministry when I was 21, was asked to serve as the director of CMI under UPCI Youth Ministries, and did so for eight years, and in early 2022, officially kind of transitioned the reins over to the new director, Brother Nathaniel Burmeister, Who's doing an incredible job, but CMI is such a special ministry, and it holds a very dear place to my heart, so I'm excited to to have the conversations, especially in light of all that we're seeing happen on college campuses across North America and the, the rest of the world.
0: Well, I am so glad to be able to speak to you about this, because you, like you said, it's just very fresh. You have been um, working with CMI for such a long time, but I also wanted to mention to everybody that you are the executive pastor at the sanctuary, and that's also something relatively new.
1: Sure. Yeah, ab- absolutely.
0: So what's gonna, we're going to go ahead and just start in, and I'm going to ask my first question, and so as someone who has worked with college-age students in campus ministry. What has been some of the impactful testimonies that you have heard that have come out of the Asbury revival? So we know that this has taken place quite recently um, and there have been, I know that you've heard many, many stories as we have on Facebook and social media, but what have been some of the stories that have really impacted you?
1: Yeah, I, I think some of the stories that came actually out of Asbury, I'm I'm sure many who are listening probably saw uh, some of our apostolic people who went and joined the Asbury revival. Some just went and saw, saw what was happening. They sat in kind of the, the balcony just to be a part and their testimonies and, and kind of eyewitness experience served to reinforce just the organic nature of what was taking place. Um, but then we also saw a evangelist like Taylor fish that, that went and uh, was able to preach out on one of the lines. The reports that I heard was upwards of 30 people received the Holy ghost that day. Uh, um, they've since been plugged into Bible studies, a couple were baptized, and, and God used him in his ministry. Um, Brother Joe Zapoli was a part of that as well, mm-hmm. and and were able to minister there. I know Riley Martin, who was a longtime campus minister, he mm-hmm. and a group of friends drove over, had an opportunity to make some connections there at Asbury, um, and then at least one of our MKs was able to quote some scripture from the mic and quoted Acts 2.38 of all verses, uh, so whenever we had the opportunity, we we shared the gospel message. So in general, there were some really neat things that happened there. Um, from my perspective, when everything started to kind of just just take off, just it seemed like the world focused their attention on on that college. And maybe the the stories that I've heard since, is it's not just what happened there at, at Asbury, as incredible as that was for those 10 days. I think the reports I heard were well over 100,000 different people had made their way into that small college town. Um, very reminiscent of some of the stories you would have heard of Azusa, where it was just this organic flow of the Holy Ghost. It was no agenda, no um, no planning center. We've got everything mm-hmm. mapped out. It was, okay. it was just, let's wait on God. Let's see what God will do in sincere hunger. Um, But bigger than that, I think, in the wake of Asbury is the attention that has been maybe redirected to what God's doing on college campuses, specifically in North America. Uh, From a CMI perspective, we've seen several of the colleges that have had their own Asbury experience. Um, There's several in Texas, Texas A&M, down in Brownsville, Texas, that they had revival services in Brownsville. I believe they had 10 get the Holy Ghost, three baptized at AM. and m There's at least three or four that got the Holy Ghost um, there. What's happening actually this week, and I know we're recording this at the beginning of April. It, it probably mm-hmm. won't go live. Um, so maybe the stories will, will you've got to go look up the stories that will happen. But uh, this was already on the calendar. There was an initiative we started in CMI two years ago called Awaken Our Campus. And it happens to be happening this, this week, the first two weeks of April where i believe there's 50 or 60 cmi chapters around north america that are dedicating the first week to prayer and fasting and then the second week there's going to be holy ghost rallies that are happening at all of these services and so um i've seen in florida there's five campuses in indiana i saw them post there's four campuses in indiana and in maryland there's at least four campuses where this activity is happening and the goal is that in the course of these two weeks we see just this move of the holy ghost on our college campuses that that we may not have seen in a very long time again this was this was already on the calendar uh, months ago uh, but the way it works out is just kind of on the heels of asbury just continuing that momentum and seeing it spread across across all these other college campuses so tons of incredible stories but i think the the best stories are yet to come and it really just has to do with with maybe what started there helping to redirect the attention on what God is doing just on, on other college campuses uh, around the world.
0: And, you know, when I talked to Dr. Robin Johnson, he mentioned one of the last things he mentioned in the interview is this is the time for CMI to strike while the iron is hot. Absolutely. And so, you know, and you mentioned, this is already has been on the books and, when you know we have something like this there there's an opportunity for it to die out there's an opportunity for it but i really feel like god is orchestrating it sure. but it's already something that's been in the works this ministry has been in the works for quite a while and so it's like a just a continuation and it's not going to let it die which makes me very happy it's not just going to be one and done people got the holy ghost and then we're kind of just okay you know we're yeah. going on um, so I wanted to go into my next question. I wanted to ask, um, what is so unique about CMI than any other ministry? Because we have so many things popping up and and we're creating new things and so thankful for them, but CMI is just a different, a different thing. And so kind of just explain to us what the uniqueness about this ministry is.
1: Yeah, I, I love this question. Just to give a little history. So prior to CMI, there was an organization called the International Fellowship of Christians, IFC, or something along those lines that started in the, the late 1970s. Um, some promise, prominent names like Brother Cornwell um, and Marvin Walker, and and names like that would have been involved as being campus evangelists, where they would go to these different campuses, and they would work with these local churches to start these, these chapters, these ministries on these college campuses, and then they'd move on to a, another college. Uh, in 1990, that was rebranded as Campus Ministry International. The, the leader, David Coutinho, uh, started this effort. And at that point in time, there was just a handful of chapters. So CMI has a long history. Um, many people have not heard about it, but it has a long history with our organization. Uh, the most recent numbers that I have is that we have about 340 CMI chapters at wow. college campuses in North America alone. Now, if we go global, Um, There's another organization called Global Campus Ministries that kind of services the rest of the world, but there's another couple hundred uh, Global Campus Ministries that are happening, specifically in Germany and the German-speaking nations right now. God's doing an incredible work through our college campuses, where some missionaries are having some inroads that they haven't had into cities, but they're using our college campuses to to do that. So a little bit of history there that this is not a small thing at this point. If we've got 340 apostolic works on many of the major colleges represents though just a small percentage of the colleges because we have about 4,400 colleges in North America alone. But to your question on what makes it unique, I love that question because from my perspective, outside of foreign missions, I think CMI is about the closest thing we have right now. And I should say church planning as well in general, but CMI is one of the closest things we have right now to just a pure book of acts ministry. Um, Our CMIers, they are some of the most unique group of of apostolic students that we have because they are ministering at the intersection of, of culture, where mm-hmm. culture is being determined. Oftentimes, culture takes its cues from our campus, and so we, we kind of use this vernacular that if you want to change the culture, you change your campus. And our CMIers are uniquely positioned to do ministry at this crossroads of, of culture. Um, one of the unique things about CMI is the opportunity we have to reach international student populations. So there's 22 million or so college students in North America. 1.2 million of those would be from other countries. They'd be international or foreign exchange students. Um, some of the stories that we have heard have been where CMIers have reached and won international students while they have been here in North America. And then those students, some stay here and they they build careers and eventually their families come. But there's many that return home. And in some cases, we've been able to see uh just entire areas of of these foreign countries opened up to the gospel because there was an individual that was won won here. So when we think about we're going to send a missionary to a foreign country, they may not speak the language. They may not know the culture as incredibly well, the amount of money that you have to raise. Well, if we retrain our thinking that we've got 1.2 potential missionaries that don't have to learn the culture, that don't have to learn the language, that if we can win them while they're here, can be sent into the mission whenever they go home. What an incredible opportunity Um, Jerry Jones has made the statement that the world comes to us to our front door through our college campuses and oftentimes as churches we have this eye set on foreign missions and we should, but really, we need to understand all we have to do is walk across the street to that college campus that's there, and you can win your world, simply by walking across the street and, and winning your campus. Um, also, when you look at the students that, that you're reaching, college students are in a very unique season of life. They're trying to figure out what they're going to believe. The statistics that once you get past like age 24, 25, um, there is a threshold where it is very difficult to to convert somebody who gets to a certain season of life where they've, they're well-established in their way. They've made up their mind what they're going to believe. The college is this opportunity where students go in, they're trying to figure out what, what they're going to believe. Who am I going to be? And if we can catch them there, many times we're catching the cream of the crop, people that are going to go into major businesses, people that are going to be leaders in the community, people that are going to, to do incredible things that if we can win them there, we're sowing seed into the future of our churches by the nature of the, the types of students that we're, we're going to win. So incredibly unique ministry, incredibly unique context to, to do ministry on a college campus. Um, but what an incredible opportunity that that we should be capitalizing on, because if we can, it opens up a world of possibility for worldwide revival.
0: And that really leads me into my next question. And what can CMI groups do in lieu of the recent Asbury and other campus prayer meetings to make a great impact? And I feel like you've already kind of answered this in the sense because there's already been, you know, things that are in place unknowingly before this even happened that have been taken place. But what are some of the other things that you could think of that could, we could do additionally to make this an even, you know, greater, add a greater impact into this revival that's been happening?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, what we kind of talked about whenever we were doing campus ministry and sometimes it is the mentality of churches, but it also can be the mentality of our CMI chapters that we can become very event driven. So, for instance, when we talk about this, our Awaken, Awaken Our Campus initiative, um, everything is leading towards these, these Holy Ghost rallies. Well, the goal of those CMI chapters is not to have one event and then call it a day. We, we kind of dust our hands off, like, see you next year. That's not, that's not the goal. So if I'm speaking to CMI chapter leaders or I'm speaking to pastors who say, what can we do to reach our campus? My encouragement is always to find ways to maximize the amount of ministry that's happening throughout the week. So in some cases, we've got individuals who are doing campus ministry by themselves. They are the only apostolic. Um, They may be a student, they may not be a student, but they've got a burden for their campus ministry. So evangelism for them looks a lot like personal evangelism. I'm trying to find one Bible study. Uh, Maybe that Bible study can turn into a group Bible study. And maybe eventually I'm going to have enough people that I can have an official CMI club uh, on the college campus. For others, the context that we were in, in at Southeastern Louisiana University, I had seven, seven different churches that were represented on our leadership team. We had 25 or so apostolics that were a part of our CMI, and that didn't even come close to touching the number of apostolics that were actually on the campus. So our, our opportunity was a little different than maybe the person doing it by themselves. And so we put a lot of effort into a Tuesday night service, and God did some incredible things. At um, one point we were running 60, 70 students and we're seeing some of our CMI chapters that, that are, are doing the same just in today's context, but the goal of maximizing ministry to say, let's don't just have Tuesday service, but how can we have Bible studies that are happening all throughout the week? What does it look like if once a month we're doing a corporate prayer walk, not just for the, the CMIers that are there or the college students that are there, but how does the whole entire church get involved in this? What's neat about this Awaking our Our Campus initiative is we're seeing entire churches go to the campus to pray, to fast, to do evangelism, uh, and then when they're doing these Holy Ghost services, it's not just those college students that are doing them, um, but the church worship team and the hyphen group and the pastor and the elders, they're going to be there to support the work that is happening happening there on the college campus. The other thing I'd throw a quick plug for is a, another initiative that we started just about two years ago is something we've called Chapters to Churches. Um, and what we're seeing happen now is, we believe that we can have church plants that pop up on these college campuses all across North America. Um, There's examples right now at the University of Michigan where it started as a CMI chapter, which technically according to the UPCI's manual could be considered a preaching point. Um, So it could be classified as that already, but they have converted it into a daughter work where that church is now meeting on Sundays right off campus, is reaching college students, reaching the community. Um, But when you think about it for a church planner, the oftentimes to get that off the ground, they're having to think about how do I raise the funds to rent a building? Um, how do I get into a group of people with marketing and promotions? Well, if you're a recognized CMI organization, many times these campuses will give you facilities that are mm-hmm. top-notch, first-class Um for free or at very little cost. And it's often in a centralized location in the middle of that college town. Uh, You have access to free advertising on local news stations and radio stations and then all over the campus. There's additional funding that's available because you're a recognized student organization where some of the major questions that church planners have to ask of where are those resources going to come from? If you're a CMI chapter, they're there. They're absolutely there. So we can lower the barrier to entry for church planning, and then we can use those CMI chapters with this long vision that says we don't want to be satisfied with just a classroom. We want a church. We don't want to be satisfied just with, with a chapter. We want a, an established apostolic church to be here on the college campus. So all that's to say the, the there is a world of possibilities of how local churches can get involved we could talk for hours about what churches are doing to reach international students um churches that are opening up their doors during thanksgiving and christmas because while all the other students go home international mm-hmm. students don't have that luxury many of them have never experienced a traditional american thanksgiving or christmas and so if a church opens up their door and says hey we want to come serve you thanksgiving or hey we've got gifts we're going to we're going to have christmas with you International students have nowhere else to go, so they might as well go experience that traditional American holiday. There's so many opportunities that if we just kind of open up our eyes and walk across the street to those campuses, I've used the terminology at times, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. They can't go anywhere. They're there for four years, Mm -hmm. two years. We've just got to go and be present and do what we can to to build those contacts and relationships.
0: Well, I am just... I'm so thinking to myself like, oh, I, I want to go back to my, my college campus. Why didn't I think about that? And I, why did I think about that when I was in college and I went to the University of Arizona and, uh, you know, when I started hearing this about CMI was not that long ago. But when you mentioned this has been going on since 1990, so this is not a new thing. But um, I'm thinking that maybe social media and a lot of other things have kind of helped to advance CMI or have helped to put it on the radar for people to kind of see what's going on. And, and I recently saw something about um, Indiana district doing these awakening services right. and was kind of thinking, okay, wow. You know, and Riley Martin is out there and, and putting together some of these things. So what an exciting time it is for our apostolic movement And I don't think people realize all of the things that you were saying about these opportunities. So I'm so glad that you are here, you know, telling us about what this kind of looks like, international students and, you know, the opportunity to be able to serve them Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas and and all of these things. And so, you know, what a blessing that we can be to our world with, you know, these students who are here for four years, like you mentioned, we have them captive yeah, <laughs> for four absolutely. years to be able to have them. So I wanted to ask, is there anything that you want our listeners to know about CMI or the Asbury prayer meetings that you haven't already mentioned? Is there something particular that you're like, you know what, this isn't something that we've you've realized that CMI has to offer sure. or, you know, in connection to Asbury revival?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. There are three whys, why you should consider doing CMI if you're not doing it right now. And if I'm talking to a college student, I'm talking to a pastor, talking to a church leader, or talking to a lay person, you can be involved in in CMI. That opportunity is there. Um, very quickly, three whys. Number one is, is to seek and to save the lost. That's the primary reason that CMI exists. This is not a Pentecostal hangout club. Um, we don't want it to be that. We want it to be an opportunity to, to bring the gospel to unreached people. Um, I've mentioned some of the statistics on international students and the, the student populations. When you break down uh, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and he talks about being witnesses uh, in, in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world, we see that opportunity even on college campuses, that Jerusalem being that local community, the number of students mm-hmm. that come from that local area. Um, Judea and Samaria being the ones that were coming from the surrounding regions and, and uh, the equivalent of other states or other, other areas around the state. And then the rest of the world, the uttermost part of the world, we see those people coming to our college campuses. So very much this Book of Acts harvest opportunity that that you see there. So seeking Saving the Lost, number one. Uh, number two, CMI provides an anchor for our Apostolic College students during one of the most trying seasons of life. Mm-hmm. Um, talking to many pastors, especially through the years. There was a period of time where going to secular college was incredibly frowned upon um, right. by many people in ministry, by by many of our apostolic uh, individuals, because they were so fearful that we were going to lose our our kids. Well justified, I, I get that. I mean these these students walk in and hear things for the first time, and professors are good at making things we know not to be true sound true, right. uh, and so if they're not rooted and grounded, yes, absolutely, somebody get lost. But in Louisiana. I was the district coordinator there for a little bit of time. We had 11 campus ministries going on. Well, we saw students and pastors begin to counsel their students to pick the college they would go to, not solely on the degree program, not solely on the scholarship, but on whether or not it had a CMI chapter, because they Mm -hmm. knew if I can plug them into that CMI chapter, I've got a better chance of them not losing their faith um, during this trying season of life. And then the third is it's the perfect training ground for future ministry. So we've got, and I thank God for our Bible colleges. Um, And the Lord's doing incredible things through those students. For me, that wasn't the path, but I got incredible hands-on training of what ministry looked like through CMI. And so many of the future leaders of our organization, of our churches, future church planners, there's nobody better, in my mind, a better candidate to be a future church planner than somebody who has come through P7 and had potentially seven years of hands-on experience at that level to then go into CMI and had four years if you're lucky. And then if you failed a couple of classes, maybe five or six (laughs) years um, of CMI. But potentially we graduate these students with 11 years of foundational training. Well, as a movement, we're we're missing an opportunity if our eye isn't on them to say, how do I capitalize on these students that know how to teach Bible studies, that have already done extreme evangelism in a hostile culture, who better to be a candidate to be a future church planner than these students that are coming up through P7 and, and through CMI? So it's the perfect training ground for future ministry. And then the last thing I would share, I know I'm kind of given a lot of lot of information, but maybe this would be helpful to somebody who's saying, mm-hmm. how do I get started? Yeah. Uh, what I would share is we often say there's two approaches that you can take. There is what we call the unstructured approach and the structured approach. The unstructured approach works well for students who are on a campus by themselves, Or Mm -hmm. for people who don't necessarily attend the campus. And so they wouldn't have the necessary means to go and be a recognized organization. Um, It's basically personal evangelism. Most of our college campuses are not locked down. You don't have to be a student to go hang out on the college campus, whether that creeps you out or not. (laughs) It is what it is. They're, They're public property. So you could go hang out in the coffee shop. And and as a student, if I'm there by myself, go hang out in the coffee shop, make connections with people that are in my classes. My goal is one-on-one evangelism. I Mm -hmm. want to reach a student, teach a Bible study, and eventually grow that. The structured approach is the more traditional approach that people think of when they hear CMI. This is, how do I get an established CMI chapter on the, the local campus? Um, the, the process is pretty similar from campus to campus. Typically, you're going to need a petition that is signed by a minimum of 10 students who say, this is a club we want to have access to. You're going to need a faculty or staff member who says, I will be the faculty advisor. And so building a relationship with some teacher or some faculty member that can, can sign off on your club, you're going to need a constitution and bylaws, which the CMI website, campusministryonline.com has everything for you. So you just have to fill in your information and then you can use that to turn it in. Um, And then you're going to need to elect officers like any of the other clubs that would happen on the campus. So probably a president, a vice president, maybe a secretary and a treasurer. Uh, Those are typically the basic guidelines. And if you can check all those boxes, then you approach your student government association and they will approve you to be a recognized CMI chapter or, or organization. The perks of that, again, are the rooms, the access to facilities the Mm -hmm. access to funding, the access to advertising that you don't get if you're just walking onto the college campus by yourself. So if you're wondering how to get started, I'd say visit campusministryonline.com. There's a great getting started guide that will walk you through some basic steps, but then all those resources that you need, one of those two approaches can work for you. So there's no excuse. We can do Mm -hmm. campus ministry uh, with one of those two approaches. So Again, I could talk your ear off Dr. Lorraine, I'm not <laughs> going to do it. So I'll I'll be quiet and uh and let you move on. You
0: know, I I just, you know, all of this is such great information and I know people are going to be so happy to be hearing this, you know, and it's not as hard as people think it is. Sure. Um, but one of the things that I'm just kind of hearing from you say that I just wanted to just reiterate is just the fact that, you know, this time in our lives or I say our lives, but in time in a young person's life where we have been worried, you know, they are gonna, after college or, or I'm sorry, after high school, they're gonna go to college and they're going to stop living for God. And, you know, people think the traditional way and untraditional is, you know, going to Bible college if you want to go into ministry, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. There are different roads. And, you know, hearing you talk about how, you know, CMI is the perfect breeding ground for ministry, for church planners. And I don't think that we realize that the experience that people have and going to college, you know, traditional college, is is not such a bad thing as sure. it used to be thought. That you know, it's a way to um, move forward and to grow and to win people for the Lord. So I really love that you mentioned that, and and I know that we have you know hyphen groups now. And when you know there was that fear that we were going to lose our after 18, you know, they, they aren't part of the youth group anymore. And so some of them feel like, what is my purpose? Right. You know, I don't have a purpose anymore. What do I do? Um, But, you know, thankfully youth ministries and general youth board has kind of come up with these things of hyphen to get involved with, but also CMI. Um, So win your world for the Lord on your camp college campus. So Um, I I love all of this stuff. And for anybody that is thinking about starting a CMI on their college campus, I say, I say, go for it. Like possibilities are endless. And uh, all those people that you can win for the Lord right here, right here on our soil, um, reaching out. So are there any closing remarks you want to mention? And I know we've talked so have so many things that we've talked about which I've loved this conversation Um, and and I really wish that I would have been able to have that opportunity but I have ran into so many people along the way like my good friend is um, Lynette Salazar Green and just been inspired by so many of those people who have been on college campuses and have done that so is there any last things you want to mention to our listeners before we sign off?
1: Yeah, I, I guess I could just close, kind of going back and bring it full circle with the Asbury just mm-hmm. revival. Um, when we study the revival movements, specifically the first and second Great Awakenings, we find that those, in essence, began and were largely influenced by ministry that happened on college campuses. Um, early 1700s or 1730s, it was George Whitfield that was on Pembroke College in Oxford, England, and he comes across John and Charles Wesley. Um, they had started a club called the Holy Club, and he got involved in that, that campus ministry. And, uh, and there's some writings that we have from him that he says, I can take you to the spot on that college campus where the Lord revealed himself to me in, in a way that he'd never had before. Well, George Whitfield obviously eventually goes to, to America. He preaches the revival services that, that have upwards of 30,000 people in them. And that was what we considered the first great awakening. It may not have happened had there not been campus ministry. The Second Great Awakening, it started, and then there's this, this haystack prayer meeting that some who are listening would have heard where there's these five college students from Williamsburg, Pennsylvania. They gather to pray. As a result of that, that uh, prayer meeting, they developed the first missions board, foreign missions board, and the first organized global missions effort that had ever happened on, on North American soil came out of a prayer meeting with five college students in the middle of the Second Great Awakening, and that was, that was driven forward. Um, again, when we look at Asbury, what we've preached for quite a while is we expect that the next Great Awakening will come from our college campuses. And I think that's what we're seeing. We've been seeing the, the groundwork laid over the last 30 years um, while CMI has continued to grow and grow and grow. And 340 chapters is not shabby by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Um, but you're absolutely right. The The atmosphere seems ripe right now for CMI to capitalize, not for the sake of us being able to say, we've got 500 campus ministries. That's great, but not so much for the numbers, but for the impact, the global impact uh, that we can have if we see the harvest that is often right across right across the street. So my final encouragement would be if you've felt the call, and, and I've talked to many pastors before who've said we've always wanted to get involved. We haven't known where to start. There are so many great resources that our motto always was education takes away fear. If I, if I have the education and the tools to know I'm not walking in blind, those tools are there. That training is there. Um, the website, campusministryonline.com, would be a great starting point. And the current CMI national team would be great resources. You may have a district coordinator in your local uh, district that, again, would be a great resource for helping you get started. So the tools are there. And because the tools are there, our excuses shouldn't be. So Do something. The expectation doesn't have to be that you're going to have 100,000 people from out of town that are going to come to your campus, but could it happen? Well, maybe. Why not your campus? Why not your city? Uh, if God could do it there and start something in Asbury, he could do something in Williamsburg, he could do something in Penbrook. Um, he's doing it all over North America and these other colleges. Why not let the next Great Awakening start at, at your campus?
0: Amen. Those are some wonderful words. Brother Caleb, I appreciate my time with you today. Thank you so much for um, speaking to us about this burden of your CMI. And I want to encourage everybody to just take a look at their college campuses. And if they're not already doing this, that this is a perfect way to start. And you've given us all the tools, the resources, CMI, our website. So to all of our viewers, I'm sorry, not our viewers, our listeners on the podcast, God bless you all. You're signing off. This is Dr. Lorraine from the Exchange Podcast. God bless.